welcome to this latest edition, this very special edition of the Real Deal Podcast with Surreal Gerald Quinn, episode 774. We are back. I am back with the world's greatest show ever, The Wire, season four, episode seven, Unto Others. This episode was directed by one Anthony Hemingway. It ranked 23rd all-time by Vulture. Uh, of course, the epigraph it was, oh, yeah, that golden rule by one, Bunk Moreland. Um, first of all, it, it is, um, I'm just, you know, excited to say the least to be back doing these episodes. Um, you know, I had a little, had a mini hiatus with them, um, due to circumstances that, listen, that, uh, you know, I will keep, uh, you know, to myself, uh, out of respect for, uh, you know, out of respect for our privacy purposes. If I could share share them with you, I would. Um, shout out to Robert Sat. Um, shout out to him. And um, it's just great uh, to be back doing these episodes. Um, I, you know, it kind of got me going because when it, started, it got me going, wanting to do these episodes again, is I, 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 I actually had to just come out and say this, was the comparison with Snowfall and The Wire. I was like, come on, man. Really, when that when that started up a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know what? It's, it's, it's time to go back. It's time to go back uh, to doing these episodes again. And I'm going to tell you right now, I watched this episode um, earlier today, and not that I needed any more confirmation on which show is better, which show is better, because I, I, I did not. It's not even a discussion to me, but there's no there's just just no uh show that's ever been created like the wire ever okay so it, let, let's let, let's stop with all that but we continue um we are halfway this is basically the halfway point of the season the season of course uh had 13 episodes this is episode seven we see as our themes i see as, a, as our themes, it's very simple to me, system failures. There were a number of failures uh, of systems. There were a number of situations during this episode where individuals were failed by the, by, by the system. And it, it and, and like, you know, all throughout the course of the episode in, in the uh, classroom and, uh, you know, in the police, with the police force, um, so a number of those situations, we're gonna look. We're gonna look closely at those situations. And certainly, when we get to best scenes of uh, of the episode, and we'll go immediately to uh, best scenes. So this episode begins with Omar. Omar in jail. So Omar's in jail. He, uh, of course, the previous episode he was set up by Marlo and Chris. Uh, with the with the uh, with the robbery on the store where where remember the uh, delivery lady was shot and killed by Chris and Omar was set up brilliant set up by by Marlo of course because it's something that Omar just absolutely never saw coming so he's in jail now he has protection from Butchie's men a couple of Butchie's guys give him have uh, give him some protection we saw that last episode where he thought that he was going to have to challenge these dudes to a fight and it turns out they were with Butchie. But now Omar has a problem because he has a five-finger figure bounty on his head via courtesy of one Marlo Stanfield. So uh, before Omar uh, gets out of his gets out of his cell, they tape him with books, with various books, these giant books to help protect him as some uh, as some protection. And just because he's a he's a hit he's a wanted man in that prison, considering how many guy how many of those guys he had probably robbed during his as his time as a as a legendary stick up artist in Baltimore in West in West Baltimore, so he gets out. He uh, they walk him out of his cell. He's waiting in line for you know see me I think for they were in their lunch line. A guy that he sees something again. Omar still has those you know 
those cat-like street instincts. He sees the officer abandon his post, so that tips him off to something possibly being going, possibly being wrong. A guy fakes this argument, turns around, and attempts to stab him. But Omar, you know, uh, uh, sees it coming. He's able to disarm the guy, slams him, you know, slams him against the uh, the, uh, the concrete, not the concrete, but against the wall, as you see here. Taunts the guy and then stabs, and then proceeds to stab the guy in the ass. Um, to kind of, you know, send a message, you know, send a little, send a, send a little message that he's not to be fucked with. Uh, Donnie, one of his, one of his bodyguards, uh, kicks the guy in the ass and says, "Nobody saw nothing." So he walks back to his cell. Um, as they're walking back, he is made aware that Marlo Stanfield is the one who put the bounty on him. He doesn't know who Marlo is. Um, remember, Omar, at this point, Marlo, Marlo's name is ringing out, but not Marlo's name was not ringing out quite to the level of Avon Barstow's at this stage. So, so he's relative, Marlo's relatively new in these parts. Uh, Avon had been around for years. So, you know, Marla and, and yet they had and, and again Omar Omar didn't even know you know when when we saw Omar rob Marla at that car game he did not know that that was Mar he just known he just knew that that was you know some high players some drug dealers some some uh, high playing drug dealers um, some major players who are drug dealers he didn't know who he was robbing he did not know that this that all that he did not know does not know who uh, at this point who Marlo is and he says this. And they tell him about the bounty. He had, he says, uh, and he gets a phone from uh, Donnie, and he says, you know, now make let me make a call, and tells Donnie. Uh, <clears throat> Donnie says, who you who you gonna call? He says I'm calling the police, and they say the police. And of course, he's calling uh, in a favor. He's gonna try to attempt to cash in on his favor with one Bunk Moreland. So great way to open the episode. Um, Showing you how vulnerable uh, Omar in a semi-vulnerable place. He's he's no he's not in his element. He's not on the he's not of course on the street. He's not in his element. He you know despite having protection from uh, from two of uh, Butchie's guys, he's still in the place of vulnerability because they you know they got there are a number of guys that in that in that situation that want him dead that uh, want him dead um, to say the least. And now you're talking about a five you know a who knows ten to twenty thousand dollar bounty on his head. Um he knows but he but Omar knows despite the fact that he has these two guys with him, he knows he he immediately he knows he that he has to get out of that, that situation. Period. Like he knows like Omar's not a fool. Um so you see Omar using his resources, um using you know a relationship that he has been building with uh that he built over the past couple seasons with Bunk to call in this uh this favor and again this will be and this i just thought about this so in regards to uh systems omar calling the police is something that is outside the it's completely outside the box if you notice in this if you noticed in this particular scene when he says when he says um, yeah I got, i'm gonna call the police and they like Donnie's like calling the police, so Omar is not a part of the system. He thinks outside of the system. He thinks outside of the box, and it will become it's going to become a recurring theme of characters having success going outside of the system. So keep on keep keep that in mind throughout the course of this episode. But listen, anytime Omar opens an episode, this is the second time we've seen him open an, open an episode, or really the third time in this series. He opened up uh, episode three in, in season two, and uh, he opened up episode three in this season. So anytime Omar opens, up, open, opens an episode up, it is going to be, it, it, you know, it, it's going to be some big things happening over the course of that episode. And it's always a great way to open the episode. So we catch so we go to Cuddy. Uh Cuddy finally catches up with Spider. We know Cuddy, we know Spider has been away from the gym. 
uh, for you know a couple of days now, maybe even a couple of weeks now. Uh, Cuddy, of course, Spider is one of his best, better middleweights. So Spider's on the corner. Okay, Spider is deep into the into the game, right? Is is, is deep into the, is is into the game. He's out. He dropped out. He's you know he's out of school. He's on the corner selling drugs. So Cuddy. Spider tries to avoid Cuddy. He tries to walk away. If you remember in the episode, um, what was it? The margin of error, which was the last episode, he almost, Cuddy almost caught up with Spider and Spider ran away. So Spider, Cuddy finally catches up with Spider. He says, basically says, look, um, you know, I can't have you abusing the gym, but but he tries to apologize. Spider says, "Your mother, what happened between me and your mother has nothing to do with you." This set Spider off. Um, there were a couple. There were a couple, and he basically Spider basically tells him basically to fuck off. He says, "Either you can step up or step off." I got customers, and Cuddy really Cuddy knows at this point that he has failed this young man. That. Um, you know, sleeping, you know, probably not the best idea to sleep with the mother of one of, of one of your boxers, um, of one of your boxers. Um, and he, Cuddy has been doing this the entire season as we've seen him, you know, fresh out of jail. And he's been, you know, knocking off a number, a number of young ladies uh, off screen, of course. And Spider's mother happened to be one of them. Um and that completely destroyed the relationship. Not only did it destroy the relationship with him and Spider, it sent Spider on this trek of of disaster. I mean, now Spider has gone from boxing in the gym and possibly turning his life around, and possibly maybe maybe if he boxes, maybe maybe Spider becomes a professional boxer. Who knows? You know, maybe he goes to the Olympics. Now he's out. Not only he's out of the boxing world, uh, the the you know sport of boxing, he's in the streets selling drugs so we see again a, a example of these kids being you know of uh, these kids uh, uh, of, uh, of these of adults um failing uh failing these kids and this won't be the of course you know in the case of cuddy similar to bubbles we'll talk about bubbles later on these are guys who are trying to get their own lives together. These are guys who mean well. You know, there was a song back in the day, I keep trying to do the right thing, but keep doing it the wrong way. And that is the epitome, that is Cuddy, and that is Bubbles. We'll get the Bubbles, but that is the epitome of, Cu- of Cuddy. He, Cuddy genuinely has a good heart. He genuinely wants the best uh, for these kids. But the bottom line is, he just got out. He just got out of jail. He's only fresh. He's a year fresh out of jail. He was in the streets. He's still learning how to uh, deal with people. He's still learning how to uh, cultivate relationships. How you know how he's still learning how the world works. So unfortunately, his mistakes have you know some severe consequences as again, spider, you know, spider's done. Spider's on the spiders in the drug game now and, and basically gone for good. And, um, Cuddy, you know, at the end of the scene, you in, in great acting done by, um, by, uh, Chad Coleman who plays Cuddy. Uh, he realizes he's, he realizes that he's fucked up, that he fucked up with spider. Um, Prez meets, Prez Belusky, we go to the classroom where Prez Belusky is starting to get the hang of teaching. Uh, he sees the kids. Um, he thinks that the kids were gambling when they were not. They were not gambling. Um, and he's teaching them. He's using uh, using board games and what have you to connect, to teach kids math. And he is meeting them at where they're at. We see him no longer having the issues that he had earlier in the season with behavior. All the kids in the classroom are fully engaged in terms of the math, in terms of what they're doing, in terms of what they're doing with the math. Now, um, he goes to uh, 
he goes and gets, and this, this is a very, this scene it, it hits home hard for me as, a, as, as an educator, because at the beginning of the class, you know, before they even get into the board games and working with them, using the math, um, using games to, to connect math, before you even get into that, they're using a, a number three, a, the third edition of a textbook, of an old beat-up textbook. Um, he goes into the supply closet because he wants to pick up, he wants to pick up some, some dice uh, for, from from some board games um, to to use for one of his lessons or to, to use for one of his lessons. So he goes into the, the supply closet and he sees that um, he sees that they they're using the third edition, and he sees the fifth edition, which is the brand new edition of the text of the textbook. So which they're clearly trying the show is clearly trying clearly trying to send you a message on just you know, how dysfunctional education can be uh, with not being, a, uh, you know, in West Baltimore or even all around the country with not basically not being able to get out their own way. You're using, they're using third edition textbooks when the fifth, brand new fifth edition is in a supply closet collecting dust. So Prez Belusky sees this, he gets the fifth edition, gives all the kids the uh, new textbooks um, and there you, and all of a sudden you see that begins a, 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 uh, you know, you know, that the kids, you know, that begins that, that engages the kids that much more in terms of seeing, um, receiving brand new textbooks and what have you, and is able to give, uh, Prez again, a, a, a deeper connection, a more, a deeper connection with the kids that, uh, that he's teaching. Uh, he, you know, they made the connection with the board games, uh, with the, he uses math to teach them about probabilities. They're all there. They are all in. Matter of fact, they are taking their lunch break. Uh, to, they are taking their lunch break to learn about math, about probabilities. Michael's into it um, as well. So we see that. We also see that we, there was a moment where Michael despite his circumstances is gets his homework done has all the answers right so we know michael is, is, is a sharp kid is a smart kid he notices that uh he notices that as well so prez you know is in a good place uh with his students um prez is in a good place with his students at the current at, at the current at, at the moment and uh is really you know, is really starting to take off in regards to uh, this thing called teaching, which, you know, as I know, and many educators know, can be one of the toughest jobs uh, in uh, in the world. But I guess what this scene was trying to say is you got to meet kids where they're at. And those relationships are essential to your survival as an educator. And if you got to use, again, prayers, using these board games goes and gets the dice and using these board games to make connections in math. Again, thinking outside the box, going outside the system and finding success. Even, you know, when he goes to um, Dolly to get the keys for the, the, the board, the, the supply closet, she questions, you know, hey, make sure you stay on the curriculum uh make sure you stay on the curriculum where you know this is still you know uh sixth grade you know eighth grade math um so prez in this scene finds success going outside of the box and strengthens his relationship that much more with uh his students bunk and uh, omar meet in jail omar um basically tells tells bunk hey man you gotta get me out of here um, I got a, I got a, I got a bounty on my head. Um, I didn't do this and so on and so on. Bunk at first does not believe it. Um, does not believe it and basically tells him, look, if you didn't do this one, I got a half dozen other cases with your name on it, including, you know, shotgun shells from when, of course, when from Stringer, from the Stringer Bell scene and also from the scene where, uh, 
the shootout where he had a shootout with the with the Barksdales last season and where one of his one of uh, Omar's girls were killed. Um forgot the girl's name, not Kimi, not Kimmy, uh Tasha, where Tasha was was killed accidentally by by um by Omar's uh old boyfriend, Dante. So you know, this is a cat this is not a cat and mouse, but you have both guys, you have a history here of a relationship. Omar knows that Buck is right. But Bob, but but by, by the time the, the scene ends, Bunk knows that Omar did not do this um, because he knows Omar has a code. At the end of the scene, you hear Omar say to Bunk, and he pulls out the card that Ali Nathan gave him to, to get out of jail free card. Basically, that Ali Nathan gave him at at, at season uh, in season two when he testified against Bird and when he lied and testified against Bird that. Um, he says uh, a man must have a code. So at that point, Bunk knows that Omar did not kill the delivery lady, delivery lady, and he knows that he has some more uh, work to do in, in regards to solving that investigation. So um, in terms of solving that investigation, so this scene, you know, we have two brilliant actors, and again, this is a this is this is a payoff of the previous three seasons where these guys have built this relationship going all the way back to season one. So there is a trust there. There is a call, you know, you know, Bunk called Omar out on his bullshit last season after the shit, after that, after that shootout with, uh, you know, on, on Tasha, really, really one of the few characters in, one of the few people in this outside of Butchie that Omar genuinely respects. So when they speak, these words, these conversations have, have meaning. Uh, one of the, I would say, I would go even as far as say that, that Omar trusts Bob, to be honest with you. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk more. We'll speak, we'll talk more as the uh, podcast goes on about uh, what transpires, um, uh, what comes about, what comes out, out of this particular meeting. Prop Joe and O and Marlo. So we know that uh, in the last scene, in the last episode, that Marlo is aware that the cops are taking are, are, are taking pictures, are videotape, video, are taking pictures of his uh, of his lair, and are onto him from that standpoint. Um, he knows that there's a camera where he stays at or where he where he resides, not resides, but where he hangs out at on the, on the outside and where he chops up, you know, chops things up on the outside. So Pop Joe tells him, hey, you know, steal the camera. Because if you steal it and no one goes complaining about it, that means the feds, that means it's the feds because only the feds have that type of money to lose a camera and not go whining. But if somebody does go play, goes complain, if, if you do take it and somebody complains about it, uh, then it's local. And I can and I can try I can find out. And if it's local, this being Prop Joe's town and Prop Joe having the connections that he does have, he can find out who who uh the specific officer that is coming after uh Mar that is coming after Marlowe. So um Marlowe. Again, getting closer to Prop Joe. Uh, Prop Joe, we see that relationship uh, kind of develop as Prop Joe sees himself as kind of like a mentor to Marlo um, from this standpoint. And Marlo, you know, acquiesces and takes the advice of uh, of one um, Prop Joe. Of course, keep definitely keep your eyes on that development of, of, of that relationship. Bubbles getting robbed twice. This was a very, very difficult scene. Uh, so you have Bubbles, okay? Now, unlike previous seasons, Bubbles does not have the protection of the police. There's no McNulty, there's no Kima. Uh, Bubbles is basically out here on, on his own, okay? He's out here, 
on his own. He's trying to start a business. He's trying to kick drugs and he's trying to, in essence, raise a teenager. So Bubbles has a lot on his plate. So we first, so the guy, so, you know, he makes a deal with one, uh, one of the kids, they buy his, uh, couple of some t-shirts what have you things seem to be on their way up uh around the neighborhood around in terms of bubbles business and the guy the fiend of course the drug the crackhead who robbed him last episode comes back obviously this guy this guy is much is no this guy bubbles is no match physically for this guy this guy basically says hey pills either pill money or pills every time i see you every time i see you is one or the other so he physically manhandles Bubbles, takes uh, takes his money, and also takes takes a can. I don't know what the, I don't know what he was going to do with this this metal can. And um, you know, Bubbles is beside himself, saying basically saying to the neighborhood, "Look, you know, y'all don't what y'all don't take care of y'all neighborhood store. This motherfucker is bad for business." And he sees a cop, sees a cop, but. Unfortunately for Bubbles, he sees probably one of the worst cops you will ever see in, in, in the history of television in regards to just being just a complete piece of shit in Officer Walker. Officer Walker, he tells Officer Walker, yo, I've been robbed, so on and so on. Officer Walker says, do you have a license to sell around here? Then he looks into, but Bubbles has a variety of things in, in his shopping cart. Yeah, shirts, movies, uh, and just you know one of those one of those deals. And he said he also he has he has DVDs. Also, Walker says these movies are, you know, are, are copyright. Are you know that's that's against the law basically, copyright infringement. So, Walker, <laughs> oh Walker, such an asshole. Walker takes three or four T-shirts. And about two or three movies and just walks away and drives back in the car and and goes it goes about his business it is i mean it's you know it it is just it's a hard it really is hard considering what's going on out here now obviously nobody nobody was killed but considering what's going on in real life real life as we see what's going on in this country right now very difficult scene uh to watch um because you know you see a cop you see a cop who's a part of the system you figure to yourself that that cop is supposed to not you know try to help serve the citizen who has been taken advantage of bubbles needs help in this moment and this guy he thinks that this cop is going to help him and this is rough because Bubbles has spent the best part, the better part of three seasons helping out the police. How many? I mean, the Bubbles is one of the biggest reasons why the Barksdale's got taken down. <clears throat> to be honest with you, I, I, you know, I, I would say Bubbles is a legit top three reason why the Barksdale's went down. You want to say Avon Stringer, the Avon Stringer infighting was the biggest okay but bubbles his tips and the information that they were getting omar of course is, is another was another one he was a big part of the bark sales going down but bubbles is right there in regards to a major was a major reason why the bark sales are are, are, are no longer the bark sales. so he's a guy who has been serving cops for three seasons and the minute he asked someone outside of McNulty or Akima for help, they rob not only does they not only do they not help him, they rob him in essence. They take his stuff. So this is was a it was a very tough scene to watch um in regards to what's happening today. Rough deal for Bubbles, um, who just is trying to just trying to he's just trying to he's just trying to do the right thing. He's just trying to do the right thing. He's trying to make money. He's trying to 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 be somewhat on the straight. Um, and he has a, to say a setback, to, to say, call the major, call the setback is the least, um, 
is an understatement. And we, again, we see a system failing a character, failing an individual. You know, this, the system, the police are supposed to protect you, supposed to help you. And we see the police being, no, no, in essence, Walker is no different than the crackhead who robbed Bustle who robbed bubbles. As a matter of fact, he, I can make a case that he's worse because the crackhead is, you know, drug crackhead, you know, basically doesn't know better. The crackhead is just trying to survive and do what he's done, do what he does, you know, to, to get high. You see an officer doing what, what Walker did is just, you know, is just despicable. Um, Bunk versus Crutchfield. So Bunk at this point realizes is, basically convinced that Omar is telling the truth. Crutchville is the one that caught the case. Um, that caught the case with Andre. So Bunk wants Crutchville to basically give his collar, walk, give his collar up for the sake of a guy who is a notorious stick-up artist in West Barmore. And basically, Bunk, Crutchfield tells Bunk, like, look, man, this dude is not like, this dude is not, you know, the Mother Teresa here. This guy is a, this, this guy is a piece of shit. This guy is, has robbed, he's connected to, to a number of cases, including yours last season. He basically gives Bunk the speech that Bunk was giving uh, Omar in jail before Omar convinced him otherwise. And Bunk, listen, Crutchfield is right. You know, it's hard. It's not easy to clear a case. So you want me to unclear this case and put him back on the streets? So they go back at it. They go back and forth. Um, they go back and forth. You know, tell you know, curse each other out. Uh, I don't blame Crutchfield in this scene at all. Like, I've gone out. You know, I've gone out my way to bust this dude. This dude is a, you know, we know he's a killer. We know that he, he's dirty. Uh, even if he's not, even if he didn't do this, at this point, the evidence does not, it does not clear him. The only thing that's clearing that, 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 the only thing that is clearing um, him in, in Bunk's mind is their relationship. Omar and Crutchfield don't have that relationship. So, so Crutchfield doesn't give a shit about Omar from that standpoint. So. From Crushville's point of view, is like, hey, what, like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> you, want, you want me to really put him back on the street? So we see that exchange, and um, of course, this is not the end of the Bunk Omar uh, um, Bunk um, and Omar saga. Uh, Carcetti and Royce. So we, so again, last episode you had Carcetti uh, beating Royce in the race for West Baltimore. Of course. Carcetti still has to win the general election, which he should easily win, considering how much Democrats outnumber Republicans in in in, in the city of Baltimore, nine to one. Um, very, it was a cool scene. Um, they're they're kind of going, you know, you have Carcetti with Norman Royce with uh, his chief of staff. They're in Royce's office. Royce having these Royce enjoying the last moments, uh, really with some of the last moments that we will see him as mayor. Um, we see that, uh, we see that Royce, we see that, uh, we see that Royce is respectful uh, of, of the campaign that Carcetti ran, um, and says, you know, ran, you know, ran a great campaign with a lot of heart, uh, invites Royce, invites Carcetti to sit in a big chair. And now that official transition well, unofficial transition because Cargetti still has to win, has to win the general election, has been made, um, has been made, and Cargetti is is the man now. You know, he's the mayor, um, or will be the mayor, official officially. Uh, he gets to sit in the big chair, and again, we see a a cool scene where guys who were going back and forth for an entire season kind of chop it up and talk shit, and you can imagine, you know. You can imagine this is how uh, boxers on outside the ring communicate with each other after they after they've beaten the hell out of each other. 
you know, talking shit and cracking jokes. Uh, so we see that with Royce uh, and Car and and Carcetti in this um, particular scene. So we go to Herc and Randy. So keep in mind. Uh, so what led up to this? I, I gotta give you some context on this scene. Herc Marlowe took Herc's uh, took the camera from uh, took the camera from the spot that Herc and Signer had it at. So now Herc only sees pigeons. Only saw pigeons. Marlowe has it hidden somewhere. So now Herc is desperate. Um. So now Herc is uh, desperate. As a matter of fact, yeah. So now Herc is desperate. Um, for, as a matter of fact, I'll go even Herc. I'll go Herc and Carver. So Herc goes crying to Carver because Herc Marlowe has taken uh, takes the camera uh, from the spot, uh, and Herc says, "Look, I need your help. I don't have a camera. I, I, you know, I don't. You know, he's taking. I know that he's taking. I know that he's taking this camera." Uh, I don't want to go to Marimo, because Marimo, of course, you know, Marimo is, 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 you know, is not the guy who you want to go to. Uh, and Marimo, of course, is, is his superior. Uh, Marimo is not going to want to hear anything about a missing camera. First of all, Herc is not even supposed to be investigating Marlowe to begin with. They're supposed to be, they're, they're supposed to be off that, off the, so off that, that, that case altogether. It, Marimo clearly gave an edict that had been sent down from, uh, the powers that be, that we are rip and run. You know, we we are rip and run. We're not focusing on big, long, big cases like Mark Avon Barksdale's or Marlowe's. We're not spending all that time and energy that it takes to solve that particular case. We're going to just go. We're just going to collect stats, and you know, uh, do rip and runs. So Herc is working a case that he's not supposed to be working, and use he uses. You know, again, uses property, police property of basically a four thousand dollar camera. It gets it stolen, and he's in the jam right now. And Carver basically says, um, when Carver, when Herc, when Herc brings up the name Marlo, it reminds Carver that uh, he has to get a message out to Bunk about about Randy and try to get more information on that case. Uh, on that case, so Carver. Says, hey, won't you question? Won't you? Won't you interview Randy? See if he can give you. Uh, see if he can give you a murder. And if he can give you a murder, maybe that will convince Marimo to forget about the camera. So then Herc goes. <clears throat> Herc and Signer goes and questions Randy about Lex's murder, and um, they basically bribed him with some Popeye's chicken, I would say. And that, that you could tell it was 2000, that was 2006 because how old that box of Popeye's chicken was. Um, basically, Randy, Herc wants Randy to tell him that he witnessed Lex being killed, which we know was not the truth. Randy says, hey, uh, little Kevin told me um, to tell Lex to go meet a girl named Patrice. I did what I was told. And then after it was done, he told me that uh, that Randy, that uh, Lex was killed, that Lex was dead. So Randy's telling the truth, but this is not good enough because they there there were no witnesses to the murder. There were no there were no witnesses to Lex's murder. Um, so Herc gets frustrated, tries to force Randy into. Saying something that's not true, saying, I know you were there, you witnessed the murder. Randy says, No, sir. Randy that just is calm and cool. Signer says, Signer is like, Herc, you know, we don't have anything here. So we see a, you see what you see in this situation, in this scene, and is a guy who is desperate and is using tactics. That are not beneficial to anyone, not beneficial to his case, not beneficial to Randy uh, either. And we're going to see what, you know, we're going to see this. This is a very important scene in regards to what transpires with, with Randy uh, moving forward in, in this season, um, in terms of for the rest of this season. Um, so 
Randy at this point. Now, if you remember, Randy got in trouble with being allegedly being part of the, the washing of, of, of the girl being raped in the bathroom. Of course, she, we would know she would, we, she was not raped in the bathroom. He was suspended from school. Randy uh, is going to be back in school. Uh, so he, the, the girl said, the, the girl went back to the officers and said it was it was uh, consensual. Uh, so um, Randy's going to be back. Uh, is going to be back in the school. But regards to that, Randy is still uh, that mistake. Um, that mistake that he made still is going to pay. It still is going to cost him um, big time. Um, in regards to uh, in regards to what his future is going, in regards to what you know his future uh, in, in terms of the rest of the season. So Hurt gets nothing out of this out of this interview with Randy. Um, nothing gets nothing out of this. He drops Randy off. He and he and uh, Sigma drop Randy off, and he basically is back at square one. And he tells uh, Sigma, you know, we have to go directly. Uh, after uh, Marlowe. So we go to Colvin with his class. So, of course, Colvin has a class off, off a grant that they started where they took all the, the corner kids out of the classrooms and put them in one class. So far, that class has been a disaster, um, to say at least. They are struggling with the kids and struggling with the kids not listening. You see the kids, number of kids snapping on adults, cursing them out. Uh, Naaman tries to get himself thrown out of class, but it doesn't work because this class, you cannot get thrown out of. There's no suspension. There's no, you, this, this is the thing about this class. They, um, the thing about this class is you, you know, you can throw a chair, you can do whatever. You're not, we're not going to, we're not going to uh, acquiesce to you wanting to get suspended. Naaman, of course, is a drug dealer. He's trying to get thrown out on purpose so he can go, so he can go back, so he can go to his corner, uh, and it doesn't work. Um, so we see Coleman's class. Unlike Presbyluski, we see Coleman's class is struggling. And again, as an educator, you see this all the time in regards to when you are at the beginning of a relationship with a student and or at the beginning of a school year where things can be rough and you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta get you, you know, as teachers and teachers can, 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 can attest to, you're gonna get you, you, you're gonna spend some of the year getting your ass, getting your ass kicked. Bottom line, like this, this idea that you can start a new class, start a new program without pushback from students, is students, especially students of this ilk who basically, who don't give a shit. I mean, these are the, these kids, in terms of behavior wise were the worst of the worst. So you put them in one room all together, uh, they're gonna show their asses. And again, Colvin is new to this in regards to teaching. This is not the streets and in terms of policing. So he's still trying to, he's still trying to transition as a former major and 30 year police officer into a educator. And I, I think what this scene, what this scene shows you and what Colvin's uh what Coben's arc is showing you in this season is that that transition, though that transition is a difficult uh, one to to say the least. Remember, Ed Burns wrote this. The writer Ed Burns, not the actor Ed Burns. Of course, this is this is his season in regards to education. He spent time. He spent, I think, like seven years teaching, following a a, a long uh, police career, and he said that uh, policing. He said that those seven years in the classroom were the most challenging by far of his of his of his entire life in, as in comparisons to being a cop. Like it, he says it wasn't even close from that standpoint. So I think, you know, with Pet with Pres Belusky and also with with Colvin, you're seeing you're seeing the DNA of, of that of Burns's struggle uh play out on the screen. Um Carcetti and Major Daniels. So Major Daniels is at a CompStat meeting going over stats and numbers. He um, does not want to take credit for the decrease. Um, he's, you know, Daniels is sharp. Daniels is organized. We know, we know how smart Daniels is. 
and Daniels is very uh, political. And Daniels is polit- let's be honest, Daniels is politically savvy. Um, so Carcetti immediately takes notice of this uh, as he is the new, of course, the new mayor elect. Um, and unlike past CompStat meetings that where you would see uh, and the two guy and the two guys, the commissioner uh, Burrell and also uh, Rawls chew out the majors. Not the case with, with with Daniels because Daniels is on top uh, is, is is on top of his shit. And Daniels says, "Look, I'm not going to take credit for the, for the decrease because when crime goes up, then you know." Then I, you know, will I be? I we have to be willing to basically take the blame for uh, crime for crime going up. And Daniels also makes it clear that these stats are clean. We're not cooking. We are not cooking the books with these stats, which I think also impresses uh, Carcetti as well. So this scene really tells you, gives you a sense of it's kind of like the beginning of the Carcetti. Daniel's uh, relationship, uh, per se, in regards to that, Carcetti really noticing Daniel's uh, skill set and, and 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 really keeping his eye on 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 what Daniel's uh, on, on what Daniel's could be. We go to Kima uh, solving the Braddock case. Now, keep in mind about this case. This was the case. And in essence, got Carcetti elected about the dead states, the dead states witness. Okay, uh, it was supposed it thought it was thought that this witness was uh, murdered. So Kima. So leading up to this, they interview uh, the guy who's a suspect uh, for who's a suspect uh, for the murder, and they use a lie detector on him. And then you know the lot they they basically try to use a lot of detector to manipulate the, the results of what of what they want of what of where they want this case to go. That doesn't work. We, and of course the guy the guy has Levy as a lawyer, and Levy knows the game and knows what they're doing. So the, the guy guy names Wardell. So he gets so he tells them like, look, um, and remember you remember this this was the guy who supposedly told. Uh, this was the guy who supposedly um, the guy that the witness that was murdered supposedly gave uh, Wardell up. Wardell was like, "Look, him and my mom's. I'm I'm not gonna shoot my own cousin. Okay, I'm not gonna shoot my own cousin. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna kill my own my own cousin for doing for three and a half years." So the guy was, and of course, this this is the guy who was was a witness to a state, was a witness, uh, was a you know was a witness to a uh, to a, to a murder, a state's witness, and all along all this whole time we thought that they they thought that this guy was murdered. So Kima believes Wardell, um, and she goes back to the crime scene. Does some does some digging and it proves she she concludes that the guy you know she she concludes that the guy was not shot the guy was accidentally killed because uh the guy was accidentally that was accidentally shot with a stray called a stray bullet that this was not a murder that it was a it was a stray bullet that kills him she uses where we you know a she uses soft her she uses soft eyes to solve the case. She uses her instincts, uh, physics, and in terms of the trajectory, trajectory of the bullet, where it came from, um, and the reason why we didn't hear the gunshots because there was a potato covering. Uh, there was a potato on the gun as used as basically as a silencer. So the guy was shot not because of the guy was not murdered. He was shot uh, accidentally caught a stray bullet. So Kima puts the Braddock case down uh, and really, you know, and really uh, puts, the, puts the Braddock case down. And despite this, Carcetti is still in office. And, uh, you know, you hear Norris say, you know, you got to love this town. A guy gets, you know, this guy 
you know, this, the mayor gets elected based on based on the the, the test based on the a state's witness allegedly, you know, getting getting murdered when it turned out to be that turned out that the guy was killed with a stray uh, with a stray bullet. Um, and Kima, you know, we know Kima has great instincts as a cop. Uh, she in the beginning of the season, similar to Presbyluski, had to just find her way within the new, within this new world that she was in. And again, she goes outside the box in regards to uh, she goes outside. You know, she it easily could have been, you know, let's just charge this dude and keep it moving. But her instincts took over and she was able to uh, solve this uh, to to solve this case and really initiate herself now as true as a true murder police. So we go to Naaman and Colvin. Um, Naaman, of course, uh, doesn't have a relationship with Colvin at this point. Uh, Colvin basically tells Naaman, you know, there's nothing you can do to get kicked off this program. Um, so you throwing chairs, you doing the dumb shit is not going to get you what you want. And Naaman basically repeats, fuck you, the entire scene. Uh, this is Naaman putting up his, uh, defense, uh, you know, putting up his, you know, using, uh, you know, this is Naaman putting up, uh, his shield to pretend to be something that in essence that he's not. Um, that he's not, and that is tough. And you know, you see this all the time. You, you have, in education, you see this all the time with students not wanting to show you any, not wanting to be vulnerable. So you know, you'll meet a student, especially at this age. At least it's, it's much easier to 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 develop a relationship with a, with a with a elementary school. A younger kid, but when you talk about middle school to high school, a little bit, it's more than because I've worked I've worked with high school kids and middle school kids. A little bit, you know, takes more time, takes a lot more time, especially if the kid does not like you, whatever reason to begin with. Um, Colvin, uh, naming again is is trying to be something that he's not trying to put to portray himself as tough selling drugs, talking loud. Um, but Colvin, you know, to Colvin's credit, he says, okay, you know, this is just, you know, if, if, that's, if you're going to go about it this way, then, you know, just go, then, you know, it's, it's on you. This program is going to be what this program is. Um, and you're not going to get, you're not getting kicked out of this program. So I think this, this was a scene to really show the kind of beginnings of the naming Colvin uh, relationship. We go to Sherrod and Bubbles. Um, so a lot has gone on leading up to this scene. Um, Bubbles later on was beat up again by the, the fiend and, and robbed again by the fiend. Sherrod, um, is on the corner and Sherrod has a, uh, Sherrod actually beats up Naaman. Uh, Sherrod actually beats up Naaman uh, as they, as, as those two crews were two independent crews are battling for corners. And Sherrod is, you know, of course Sherrod hasn't been in school since he left. Uh, and that's been a couple of weeks now. Uh, name, uh, name, uh, Bubbles finds this out from, from, uh, from Donnelly, the assistant principal. And Bubbles, you know, similar to Cuddy, Bubbles realizes that he went about his relationship with, with Sherrod the wrong way. He tries to reconcile with, with Sherrod, says, hey, you're welcome. You're welcome back. You know, I realize I made mistakes with you. You can come home. Uh, Sherrod at this point is, is, is drugged out. I mean, to say at least, he's, out, he's been on the corners for a couple of weeks now. He's been taking drugs. Um, you can see the streets just beating up this young man 
and taking apart this young man. Um, this is really one of the sad stories of this season, what transpires with Sherrod over the course of the season. Certainly something that's actually something that, you know, to pay attention to. So you see uh Bubble, what Bubble sees in Sherrod is a is a young, younger version of himself. And that is tearing bubbles apart, to say the least. He sees Sherrod, he knows. He sees the road that Sherrod's going down because he has been down this road before. But again, getting back to wanting to do the right thing the wrong way, Bubbles does not know how, just doesn't know how to, is not as incapable of taking care of another person. Like he's been, Bubbles can't take care, barely, barely take care of himself let alone another human being. And, of course, he's, he's going to make mistakes with Sherrod. And, of course, Sherrod is going to be in the current predicament that he's in. And, again, this is, I, it's not, I'm not blaming Bubbles, but that's just the reality of, of the situation. Um, so we see that uh, when the – at the end of the episode, when they go back to, to, his, to the place – the bubbles goes back to his to his place, which is like a you know a, a makeshift shed that uh, squatters stay at. Uh, he sees no Sherrod there because Sherrod is still out there on uh, on the corners. So again, theme you know the themes to me were again system failures. We saw it with bubbles and Sherrod. We see it with the education, not having textbooks that were up to date. We saw it with Cuddy and his relationship with Spider. We saw it with how Bubbles was treated by Walker and the police. Um, we saw it with the with the Braddock case. I mean, Carcetti gets elected on a lie, <laughs> like on on a, on a, on, a, on a lie. Period. Like that. Uh, that's just all there is to it because. The system, because that case was not the, the proper police work was not able to was not that that case was not investigated properly during the election and it was purposely not investigated properly <coughs> during the election and that was designed in essence to get Carcetti elected and it did and we see Kima you know you know figure out the case and and and, and, uh, and the, and we uh, find out the truth, the, uh, the truth of the case. So, a number of system systems, a number of failures of systems throughout the course of this of this episode. Um, of course, we talked about Daniels impressing Carcetti. Certainly, keep your eye on that. Naaman gets punked by, uh, got beat up, of course, by Sherrod and his crew. Uh, Naaman, of course, has his. Naaman, of course. Had had his the name of course was has his own crew, but he got caught by himself, um, and Sherrod beat him up. Um, Sherrod beat him up, and then Carcetti, not Carcetti, Cuddy, saw this, and then you know you see Naaman lying to the rest of the people in the gym, saying look at the other dude, and uh, that's when you that's when Cuddy saw you know what you know saw. Sherrod and how high he was, and basically almost was was fearful of Sherrod saying, "Hey, look, you know, I'm, everything is good." But so we saw Naaman get pumped, and really, again, it was really was really trying to show that Naaman is not cut out, cut out to be a drug dealer, and is not, you know, is not this tough guy that he makes makes himself to be. He's not Weebay, say the least. He's not Weebay, and we see Bunk, Kima, and Prez uh, go outside the system to find success. Bunk ends up getting the um, getting the clearance from Eileen Nathan to uh, getting the clearance from Eileen Nathan to have to have Omar transferred out. Uh, we see Kima solve her case, clear the Braddock case, and we see Prez make inroads with his students um, using uh you know, using probabilities and really using board games and probabilities to make math connections with uh, his students. So we see characters 
the successes that characters had during this episode were outside of the systems, outside of the uh, in, uh, of the institutions that they are uh, that they are under. MVP, I would say Kima, the MVP for solving the case, for clearing the Braddock case. Remember, she struggled early on in the season with 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 going to uh, going to homicide, Western homicide. Now, you know, she is fully entrenched as a legit homicide uh, police police officer. Charlene has to go to Charlene the Wolf. Her performance has to go to Bubbles. I, I thought that he was tremendous in this episode. Really, really going through it um, in regards to getting robbed twice, getting kicked down by society, and having to deal with the his mistakes that he's made with one uh, Sherrod. That's all wrapping up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. Uh, we'll be, be, be we'll be back with you next week with another episode, episode eight of The Wire, uh, Corner Boys, which was a big time episode. So we'll be back. We'll be back with that. Um, you can always subscribe as always. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. This episode will be up uh, in a in a few hours. Definitely be up. Be up before. Uh, definitely be up. You know, late Sunday, early Monday morning. I will see you next time on this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix. So long. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.